Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life, back into the land. Oh, 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 help the garden grow, singing. Oh, 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 we've got to help the garden grow. Welcome to the Urban Homestead Radio. We are your hosts, Anise, Justin, Jordan. Special thanks to our sponsor, Layman's, in Kidron, Ohio. For over 60 years, they have provided practical, non-electrical tools and appliances and home goods. Our family has been a huge fan of theirs since the 1990s and have purchased many quality products for our own homestead. When technology fails, their products will certainly work. So check out their website and online catalog at layman's.com, and that's L-E-H-M-A-N-S.com. We appreciate the support of this podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow, sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help, help the garden grow. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow, sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help the garden grow. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have a special guest. Glenda Layman Irvin of Layman's in Kidron, Ohio. Hi, Glenda. It's a pleasure having you here on the show. Thanks for joining us and especially for being our first podcast sponsor. And we really appreciate that. So, oh, you're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. Okay. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate you um, joining us today and uh, being our first podcast sponsor. We really appreciate that and are really excited. So, um, we are. We always like to tell people when they say where we get our products, we always like to refer to your company because we've been purchasing that for over, what, 20 years? Yeah, we got their catalog in the mail. Now. Yeah, I think it might be more than 20 years. Yeah. I mean, well, been, we've been around for over 60, so it could have yeah, been longer I mean, than that. The catalog was always there. It was like one of those things that we'd get in the mail and get so excited to read through. <laughs> it was, yeah. So, okay. So, well, um, yeah. What do, tell us a little bit more about your company for people who are not familiar. Sure, sure. We are located in Northeast Ohio, about an hour south of Cleveland, which is, in fact, the largest population of Amish in the United States, not Lancaster, Pennsylvania, as many people assume. Uh, my father, <clears throat> excuse me, was a young man, uh, quite frankly, looking for work. And his grandfather asked him, his father, my grandfather, Ezra, asked Jay what he would like to do. And he said, well, I'd like to buy that little hardware store there in, in Kidron, which was just a tiny little building. And so Grandpa lent my father the money to buy. It was then called Summer's Hardware, and then it became Layman's Hardware. And um, one of the, the legacy stories we have is that Dad was the only employee, and he wasn't generating quite enough revenue to pay back his father, which, of course, was unacceptable to him. So he took a job as a school bus driver. <clears throat> he did the bus route in the morning and the afternoon, and while he was gone, he needed somebody to watch the store, so he hired his father, his banker, as his first employee. <laughs> <laughs> all in the family, right? Yeah, yeah, it still is uh, all in the family. Family owned and operated. Um, I think the reason that Layman's is so different today, though, is two goals that Dad had. 
Now, keep in mind, in 1955, when the store first opened, every small town had a little corner store, hardware store, general store that was serving the local people, and a lot of people didn't have electricity and indoor plumbing, like most people do now, except in very rural areas. So um, Dad really admired the Amish and the way they live off of the land, and so he opened his store to cater to the Amish because he foresaw the future, and if there are no butter churns, then nobody knows how to churn butter. So that was one of his goals, is to keep providing the products people needed to live without electricity off of the land. The second goal was to preserve the past for future generations. Now, those are my words, not his. If you knew my dad, you know he doesn't talk that way. But basically, if products become extinct, then nobody knows that skill. Um, you know, if all the equipment you need to make a quilt or to raise chickens, if all that equipment becomes extinct, then that whole skill set is lost. And, you know, this has really come true. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the store, and we often have product demonstrations, and we had a, a, a local gardener. She was turning butter. And a little girl, probably first or second grade, walked up and watched for a while, and then she came back, and the butter had solidified, and we were pouring off the buttermilk. And the little girl looked at me, and she said, I missed it. When did you put the butter in <laughs> because to her where does butter come from the grocery store right now yeah. once we explained it to her cow's eat grass turns into cream you milk the cow you turn the butter um then it made sense to her but that that um in the year 2017 i think achieved one of dad's goals from 1955 is that he taught this little girl that you can make butter oh that's i know that's that's pretty i mean we we experience that too. People have that sort of disconnect, you know, and it's a, it's a you shame. Know, food is what they see in the supermarket. You know, but it just magically appears in little squirrels in a box. Or yeah, one of the one of the things, too, is the, the lack of complicated ingredients. You know, often we, we do the butter churning and people ask, what's the recipe? Well, the yeah, answer is I know, right? <laughs> um, When we make cider, that's very common. You know, picture this. We have an Amish buggy pull up, and he takes out crates of the apples that were grown just up the yard and uh, up the road, and then we have one of our employees using our exclusive cider press to make cider, and then we give out samples. Um, you can't buy unpasteurized cider in regular stores anymore, so it tastes really, really good. We always have to let him know it's not pasteurized, that sort of thing. But the most common question is, what is the recipe? And the answer is Apples. Apples. <laughs> the, the only change in the recipe is one third Macintosh, one third Pink Lady, you know, one third this kind or that kind, and and uh, people like to keep their recipes kind of secret. Some people put a few raspberries in or, or some different things, but fresh apple cider. And I'm telling you what, those apples were probably on the tree that morning. Talk about fresh. That's insane. Yeah. yeah the people want to overcomplicate it or think there's some secret ingredient and. We had the same issue here. We would make peach cobbler and peach season, and people say, well, why does it taste so good? Well, it's got peaches, you know, so it's just a, Better in season. a disconnect. Mm -hmm. What's in season, what's local, what's fresh? And well, and I think kids, you know, children today um, grew up, and I'll include my kids in this. You, you get blueberries in January. Well, when I grew up, you ate what was in season. Yeah. And and there was not a lot of, you know, shipped from California, no offense, Californians, um, but you ate what was in season, and then you preserved it, and then you ate your own. So if you wanted blueberries in January, then you froze them um, yeah. when your bushes were ripe. Yeah, so I know that's, and that's why we were um, with our father homesteaded after in 69, he graduated um, from college and then 
was trying to find a you know his path in life and came you know went to the back to the land movement and um, started homesteading in uh, New Zealand in in the early seventies and then came to Florida homesteaded there and then came out to Pasadena to ten theology school but the homestead um we've always lived in a you know homestead sort of lifestyle with you know having simple a garden living, yeah. simple living no, not much electronics i mean we have to we live in the modern world so we do have some electronics but very limited we didn't and we didn't and so we grew up that you know like didn't everybody grow up like this but your company came you know was like a like you know like it was like candy you know and every time we come to we would come mm-hmm. like Nothing. It was. We were like, we want a better before term. the internet. I know yeah. this is before the internet. We, can, we couldn't even go online. Yes, you're that old. Yeah, we would go thumb through your catalog and earmark stuff or circle things and and drool over stuff because that was, um, you know, as kids we were raised in the little um, house in the prairie books and so we were always drawn to you know how did they do it back in the olden days and and especially now. Um, with technology you can't always depend on technology and so it's sort of like a uh fallback to have a great fallback to have because if things are um you know don't no longer work you're able to survive in some sort of sense and 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 maintain a a a life even though maybe technology is going you know crazy around you so um we bought uh, what from our ice cream maker Mm -hmm. what else the oil lamps, oil, oil, lamps, oil lamps, the hand washer, oh, the hand washer, the, and the hand tub, the hand, the hand, the washer, the one back and forth mode, and then the, actually bench. the tub, the galvanized oh, tub, yeah. um, the ringer, yeah, the hand washer. We ringer. bought quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're still in use. So some of the good news is they still they love oh, yeah, Well, one oh. of the things that's important to us is sustainability. That could be everything from, we have a new line of, of wooden toys that are handcrafted by the Amish, um, you know, bunk beds and cradles and wooden cars, and they're not the, the cheapest. You know, if you want the cheapest, you're going to go to Amazon, and it'll be fast and cheap, and you'll have a lot of assortment. However, that cheap toy you get may land in the trash two weeks after Christmas, but if you buy one of our wooden toys, hopefully your son or grandson will hand it down to their son or grandson. So there's just something sustainable about buying something quality that lasts for a long time. And my example was the toy, but your example were all products that do something. And mm-hmm. there, there's something, too, that we love about people-powered products. Um, I don't know if you have one, but we sell, a, it's called a real mower, a push mower. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the traditional lawnmower, if it doesn't start, maybe you call the dealer or get a mechanic mm-hmm. in. With our lawnmower, if it's not working, you're not walking. Yeah, right there. <laughs> that's what. That's what. So you don't believe in planned obsolescence? <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, or yeah, you, you work exactly. For your, We're the opposite of the iPhone, right? There's not going to be a new model coming out every four months. Or you literally work for your food, or you literally work for your lifestyle. Um, yeah, we actually have a push more. We had. The, we our yard, our yard used to have grass, and Dad refused, of course, to get a electric one. So we did uh, when we were kids push mower the front yard, but of course now the front yard is a garden. And so we would we have we actually would have to sharpen the blades. Yeah, so it was kind of sure. a, a yeah. We sell the blade sharpeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, the concept. I look at your pictures online, and actually, I want to do that. We're selling our home, and I want a no yard home. It's very European, um, mm-hmm. and I know that you have a European background, but Europeans rarely have these big, huge yards that they mow. They've got you know a pretty little sidewalk and the flowers and the vegetables are all there mixed together and I just I find that so so attractive I mean I, I don't get
get big lawns. I know that's an American thing and probably heresy to some people, but I just don't get it. Well, particularly in Los Angeles, it's also it's like, desert, yeah, yeah it's, it's even, it shouldn't even, it should, lawn shouldn't even be here. You go, you go down, you know, the, the, the famous streets and it's like massive amount of grass mm-hmm. and all you can just think is, wow, how much food could that grow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, and, and like I said, we were always into doing hand powered, like you said, people powered. That's all we have a, actually, I'm not sure if we got it from you, but we got a uh, uh, a ha- we got a hand crank grain-, grain mill, and you attached it to a, a bike bicycle. Yes, so have- I've seen that before. Yeah, that's so, yours. <laughs> yeah, that we did that, and the kids love it. We have after school farm table uh, programs for kids, and they just love that. I mean, I literally, when class is over, the teacher has to say, "Kids, we have to go home now," and they do not want to stop. They want to continue to go on there. Should be fine. And 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 um. And you know, pe- pedal power, they're 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 the grain, so it's pretty. You know, they. Yeah, I think that. one of the things we do when my children were little, they went to an Amish daycare center, uh, Amish home. It wasn't a daycare center, but that was their their daycare provider. And yeah. I became friends with the woman who looked after them, and she um, told me, you know, the Amish call non Amish English. So she said, you know, English women um, departmentalize everything. She probably didn't use that word. In other words, I have certain clothes for work, certain clothes for play, certain clothes for home, and it's all very, she said, for me, it's all mixed together. So in your example, they were doing work, they were producing grain, but they were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting. I, I you know, I'd go, go over to pick up the children, and she would be um, digging up potatoes, but she was making it a game for the children. Mm-hmm. Just another example of not separating so strongly work and play. Now, part of that's because they work in the home, and so that makes it a little easier. I don't think I should be playing when I'm here in the office. Um, but, yeah, that, that was something that she mentioned to me that she didn't understand. And um, I, I think she honestly felt a little bit sorry for me because she had this wonderful life that was a combination of work and play all day, every day, and I had to sit in an office. So, was you mentioned earlier about Amazon, is that your, um, I would say, like the biggest issue nowadays is competing with Amazon, or do you think you have a good customer base of people who are looking for your products will are willing to... Yeah, a, a, little, a little bit of both. Of course, Amazon is growing, and you probably heard they bought heard they bought Whole Foods yeah. and um, you know same day shipping and all of that. And we just can't compete with that. They have very high brand awareness. What they don't have is customer service. Our customer service reps in the store and on the phone are certified in how to install water pumps and how to um, you know honestly, good luck trying to call Amazon and ask them what the best recipe for homemade ice cream is. So if you we often talk about the journey to homesteading, the journey to simpler life, because we're really all on a different journey. Um, uh, I have a friend that just started. She's got a little four-by-four-foot garden, and then there's somebody like you, and then there's somebody that lives completely off-grid. That said, no matter where you are on that journey, there's probably something that you would like to do. Like, I've got a lot of homesteading skills. Next on my list is making cheese. You know, I've made candles and soap and other things, and so there's always something. And so we, we like to think that we can help you on that journey to a simpler life by determining what that means to you, the customer, and then providing the products that will let you achieve your goals. Yeah. So you're not, as, you're not planning on delivering by drone anytime soon. <laughs> no, if we deliver by anything, it would probably be a horse and buggy. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jordan, Jordan would like drone. that. Jordan would probably like hit a ride on the buggy and go back with you. Yeah. 
So, I mean, obviously, some of the product—I mean, probably most of the products that you were selling in 1955 are probably still in stock. No, are <laughs> no, still, still, still um, being sold being to your sold. lines. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, think of the oil lamps. That's technology from the 1920s. And if you think about other retailers, from from clothes or cars, would be a good example. Can you imagine if a car today? looked and worked just like a car from 1955. That's kind of planned obsolescence like you were talking about because every new model has something different. I just heard about a refrigerator that has a computer panel on the front and you Mm -hmm. type in your grocery list as you look in the refrigerator and then you hit a button and it sends your order to Amazon. Uh, just another <laughs> Amazon. Here's the thing. Dad, dad would always look at and say, something, something else to go wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. The push mower is a good example. But my dad gets, well, many people do get frustrated with technology. So your phone doesn't work. Or even my car. I, I got to take it someplace. I don't know how to fix it. Our products, in most cases, are very simple to use. I mean, think of a broom. You, yeah. you sweep with it. If it if it's not working, the handle <laughs> fell off of it or even something. So there is a, a real, um, um, it's taking taking control. You know, the world is a chaotic, complicated place. And, you know, think of Christmas morning when the kids get all these new gadgets and things and you're like, oh, I got to figure out how all this works. Well, what if it was a wooden train and you were able just to set them on the floor and just have them play away. And so, you know, I spend a lot of time on, on technology, which is what we're doing now, a podcast. But often when I go home, I like to sit outside and read a book. I like to turn the pages and have no technology around me. And we're seeing that um, from people who do live in the high-tech world, but crave that. Now, I have a, this is interesting, I think. I have a teenage daughter. And her, in high school, and her whole world is virtual, right? The music that she listens to, the textbooks, it's all on a laptop. And she likes baking bread. She likes sewing. She likes record albums, old-fashioned typewriters, all of that stuff. Because I think she's of the, she's a long, young millennial, and they are so used to technology, they don't remember a world without it. And so... The low-tech has a great amount of appeal to it. You know, that I I made this myself. I did this myself. The other day, um, one of her friends turned 18, and all she wanted for her birthday, no presents, no cards, no cake, no candles, she wanted to go berry picking and bake a pie with her friends. Now, doesn't that sound like something from the 1850s? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like something. I think Louisa May Alcott had a book. Yeah. No, I know. It's just, it's, um, we're finding that too. I think, um, See, I grew up, me and probably Justin, yeah. my, my, I'm eldest, my Justin is the second eldest, and we, grew, we remember a world pre, but there's the ones that don't remember, so, and, and they don't, like Internet, I said, pay I mean, phone, and, and when I describe that, they just look at me, but, phone, yeah. yeah, like, oh, I was talking to a friend the other day, I said, I was joking, because I was listening to, you know, pay while I was, um, while I was canning, and I said, oh yeah, remember back in the days we'd actually listen to the radio and then have a tape deck beside and and try to get our favorite songs. We were just hitting right at the right moment because it was just how we used to do this. And now you just click, click, click playlist, and it just and then just like, well, that wasn't that long ago, you know. Instant and, gratification. And that's, well, that's some of the things that that we're teaching too, like gardening, it takes it takes patience. You know, when when stuff is on demand, you think of Netflix. I want to watch this whole series right now. Um, and, and today's generation, I think, is, is losing some of that patience because you can't rush a garden. You can't rush bread 
rising. You can't rush bees making honey. And so it teaches you uh, a lot about nature and a lot about patience. And you don't always have to have anything instantly. I'm guilty, too. The other day I was on a website, and it took four seconds to load, and I was getting impatient. So really, I'm that busy. I don't have four extra seconds you know, yeah. we just created a world of, of demanding people, and, and I, that's frustrating for them, too, that desire to have things so quickly that, again, going back to they like doing things with their hands that are tactile, that are satisfying, that, that engage not only the mind but the body. I mean, you can sit in front of a TV or a computer all day and entertain yourself, but to go out and, and pick peaches and come back in and make a pie, it's just very, it, I use the word engaged. You're just mm-hmm. really living life the way I believe the good Lord meant us to. I think it's for, yeah. for me and for things like when the world is a mess and chaotic, you know, you go out in the garden and it's, it makes sense again. So that's something, you know, how you say, well, you know, you can't control a lot of things, but in the garden, everything seems to make or, sense. Or, or big bread, it makes or sense. Bread, or or knit a sock, it makes sense. Like you, know? That, but, yeah, you know, and the other thing, too, <clears throat> a lot of our customers, and I'm sure you guys are passionate about, too, um, eating healthy. Uh, I, I don't have any, I'm not a doctor, I have no medical proof of this, but I think so many ailments and allergies that people have, we just eat too much junk. Um, my weakness would be like crackers, like um, that you, you know, dip in peanut butter, and my husband says any product with wheat in it that lasts on the shelves for four months has way too many preservatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true because if you bake a fresh loaf of bread, you better eat it in three or four days or it's going to go bad. But you can buy store-bought bread and it'll sit there for weeks. So I, I think eating real food, um, the, the term we hear from our customers is getting close to their food source. In my example, going out, or, or in yours, the peach cobbler, you were close to that food source. You went out, you picked the peaches, you brought them in, you made the cobbler, probably that morning they were on the tree, that's mm-hmm. very close to your food source. And I think so many things we do to the, or somebody does to the food we eat, is stripping out the natural vitamins and minerals that we need and replacing it with preservatives. You know, even think of soft drinks. What, what is a soft drink? It's just a glass of chemicals. Sugar and sugar and things. So, yeah, food, fortunately the food people have caught on to it or people that are aware of it um, Mm. that good food and health starts with the gut and all of this stuff so um yeah we try we our thing is we try to grow local try to grow seasonal um obviously our prices are a little bit higher than or a lot higher sometimes than Mm -hmm. you know walmart or Mm -hmm. something like amazon definitely Mm -hmm. so we still have to educate people about seasonal educate people about local and stuff like that but um so another thing, question was, let's see, you say you ship to 85 different countries. Um, is there a demand for other countries for your product? Or do you think they're because they're no longer being made over there or what? Um, in, in developing countries, often it's people like Peace Corps workers, Doctors Without Borders, missionaries, people living in remote areas, because if you live in uh, what they call the bush, which means there are no electrical lines, you're living much like an Amish person. Yeah. So that, that's the, the connection there. Um, you know, if you live on an island, stuff is expensive to get there. If you live on the top of a mountain, you're going to have maybe problems uh, securing enough water or having water pressure, so a traditional washing machine won't work for you. Uh, there's a lot of things when you live in the city, you know, you just turn on the faucet and water comes out. Well, not everybody lives like that. My dad used to say, if we had to schlep all the water we used, we'd be a lot more careful how much we use. I mean, if you had to, to bring a bucket 
up for every load of laundry and every shower and every time you wash the dishes, you would probably live life a lot differently. It's, it's almost like it's too easy for us. You walk in a room, you turn on the lights, you turn on the faucet, um, and you don't really even know where it comes from, right? It's just you turn on the lights and yeah. the lights come on. And that yeah. kind of goes back to what you were saying before. If there's a power outage, people don't know what to do. Um, and being self-sufficient um, also helps people feel um, secure and safe, um, knowing that if the power went out, I would have a way to heat my home and get water and feed my children. It helps me sleep better at night. Yeah, but also having the ability to, I don't know, quote, entertain yourself, be at peace with yourself, be in the moment. Um, I think, I, I'm not sure if it was a joke, but I think they said that people like one one day away from anarchy if like the if the network goes down and they don't have like the phone slash internet people don't actually know what to do they don't know how to navigate there are actually camps for kids and adults that are tech free and it's that whole purpose to help you detox Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, our phones, I, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever, well, you guys work at home, but like, if I go to work and I forget my phone, I feel discombobulated all day. Um, people don't want to read maps, honestly. I mean, I know. in Los Angeles, it's like, you know, we try to give people directions like, oh yeah, head north. And they just look at us blankly and it's like. Uh, or they're following GPS <laughs> into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> GPS will send them into the ocean and they'll turn into the ocean. It's like. I mean, you got to be at least aware of a something. A little bit, but you know. I don't addiction, think electronic maps. addiction, is a is a thing. It's a disease is yeah. a disease that they are treating, and people have withdrawals. Kids mm-hmm. who are plugged into sure. video but games. Even little, even little kids. Um, they, instead of turning pages on a book, they know how to swipe the screen. Mm-hmm. Now we've been we've been dissing technology here, and I should say our business runs on technology. But there's a couple things there. We use high tech to sell low tech because it's the fastest least expensive way to get information to people. Think of YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are learning how to do things. You can YouTube almost anything, and we're, we're a fan of that. You know, the difference between water bath canning and pressure canning, um, mm-hmm. the difference between all the axes, you know, the, the chopping axe and the splitting axe, and the um, people want that information, so certainly there is some, some educational component there. What we, ad- adv- we as layman's as a, a brand, advise people is just don't accept and embrace all new ne- technology without thinking about perhaps some of the consequences. For example, in the 1930s, 40s, if it was a hot summer day, like it is here today, the neighbors sat outside on the porches, the children played outside, you talked to each other because your house was very warm. Now with air conditioning on a hot summer day, people are inside. Now, whoever invented air conditioning, his intent was not to isolate us from our neighbors, but that's something that happened inadvertently. So I, I often try to think of technology, like what, what, does, what does this mean? Like some of these people that are compelled to post everything on social media, including pictures of themselves, I'm like, what, what, what does this mean? Why would somebody want to do that? And I make a choice for myself. I do want to do that or I don't want to do that. So I think that's the thing is not just blindly accepting everything that's new without realizing what you're giving up. You know, the classic example is you go into a restaurant and there's four people sitting at a table and they're all looking at their phones. Yeah. Why don't you put your phone down and talk to each other? It's about balance. It's about a balance. It's like sometimes we're like, well, forced or I'm forced to often interact with the phone with someone else, like my friend who lives you know, she, she doesn't have a car. She lives quite a distance away. So you talk on the phone or you text. However, both of us prefer to talk in real life. It's like we prefer to talk in real life, but sometimes you're forced to use the phone to continue a connection. But it's, I mean, 
we both know that, you know, if we're actually in each other's presence, the phone is off on the, you know, left in the port, uh, the port somewhere. I think it's, it's, yeah, not, I think it's all about the choice. It's about the choice. I think it's also the, the strength and you, and you can know you can step away from it and have that strength in, inside you that you can step away and know that life it. goes on. You don't need it. And for, like I said, my generation a little bit i said you know i i use technology i like taking pictures too but i still have that you know pre thing where i didn't i don't need it so much that you can still be in the moment and not have to take every picture um and then make that choice yourself and have and be strong enough to do that and say you know you don't have to film or record you have everything to actually before we have to go get the pictures developed. yeah developed. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's which is great i mean like i said we I like use it too. we all use it like yeah. i said we all use it we use youtube to learn we use that, but I think it's just, as I said, defining the space that it doesn't take up your whole entire life or that you're so dependent on the entire life. You don't un- know what life is without it. Unplugged. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. Well, so you I know, do- I, when my children were little, we, you know, you talk about junk food. I would talk about junk TV. It's not mm-hmm. too bad if you want to watch a cartoon or two Saturday morning. I do that, you know, bowl of cereal. But if you sit there on a beautiful Saturday and watch TV all day long, it's the same as eating nothing but potato chips and, you know, ice cream or whatever. It's, it's a balance. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, use your your technology. Um, I know a lot of homesteaders that rely on technology because they do live very rural, and and that's their connection to people. So it is it is a balance, and I I have to say it's different for everybody. But I think those of us that remember what it was like without technology have an easier time of it. I I kind of feel sorry for some of these young kids who, you know, like if they have a question, and I do this too, you go to Google, you know, like like, uh, what, how many breeds of dogs are there or something you're trying to find out. So it's just that immediate, I have to know right away. We actually have an old set of encyclopedias that were in my husband's family for a lot of the Britannica encyclopedia. And our children were just amazed that all these books took up all the space because when they were in school, they had, it was a a disc and it had video and it had sound and it had hundreds of thousands of data points about everything. And so, you know, it was the size of a pancake and ours took up a whole bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you, we, we have an extensive online presence. I mean, we are pretty well plugged into a lot of things. And, you know, it's kind of a, we call it oxymoron. Yeah, but it's the same but time. It's a, it's, a, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, because people are scattered everywhere, it's a way to for people to reach out and connect well, with like-minded doing, people. Even just doing business, business, we have people don't carry cash anymore. It's it's, if, you try to, if you try to survive on cash, good luck. <laughs> but so we have to do. We got to get credit a card processor, processor, you know? processor. Then you got to get a swiper, and then swipe, and then smartphone. The internet, smartphone and then for I know someone. Someone asked my dad once why you know if we sell old-fashioned stuff, non-electric stuff, why we're online, and he said because that's where our customers are. Yes, that is so true. So, I mean, so how many, um, how many people do you employ now, and how how big is your store? Uh, You know, it's very seasonal. So, the second half of the year, ramping up to Christmas, it's a lot more, but it's in excess of one hundred. Wow, that's awesome. And do you see like trends in the market? Have you seen like rise and fall? I mean, oh yeah, uh, lots of times. You know, it's really you guys probably know this, but beekeeping. Is, uh-huh. is really big now, and we we actually just added a line, um, but but honey beekeeping, um, uh, the scent of lavender, essential oils, um, products that do more than one thing. For mm-hmm. example, a cast iron skillet. 
you can make breakfast in it, you can make lunch, you can make dinner. I feel like people, and some of it is the tiny home movement, but they don't need 16 different appliances to do 16 (laughs) different things, right? So if you had a cast iron skillet and a stock pot and a grill, you know, I can think of three or four things, a spatula, a spoon, a sharp knife, that's all you need. So minimalism is is a big trend and, um, yeah, anything to do with honey. Um, people just seem to be very passionate about bees. And, you know, in, in some parts of the country, uh, veganism, vegetarianism, that's very popular, too. In other parts of the country, it's just the opposite. Now, I talked to one gentleman in the store, and he looked um, looked like a good old boy, you know, had on overalls and a cowboy hat and muddy boots. And he said, I ain't going to eat it unless I grow it or kill it. <laughs> and then I thought all of us are, we're just not doing it ourselves. I don't yeah. eat anything that somebody didn't grow or kill, right? Yeah. But he was just saying he's going to do it himself. And so he would shoot, you know, a deer or whatever, and he would can the meat, and he would grow the vegetables, and he had cows, and he milked them for milk. Now he was close to his food source. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's special, like I said, they're very rare breed, yeah. and a different breed. Um, unfortunately, like I said, I remember one person we met, they lived in Alaska, and they said, you know, three three quarters or 75% of their day was actually so they could, they could you know, survive, survive the to day. the next day of just prepping food, you know, chopping wood, chopping wood uh, store, stocking up, storing, and and, 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 pro- and, and then processing do it again food, and then doing it again the next day, and then 75% of that day for, for things. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole different lifestyle and it's, it's, it's very, um, it's a challenge, it's a challenge too, because like I said, you're, it's, um, you have to be very committed and there's sacrifices too to be made because, you know, it's, it's not, doesn't all come easy and and, and today it's, 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 uh, 24 seven, super easy. So it's a little, um, we, you know, we, we, we feel, we slide, I mean, we go the, a couple steps forward, a couple steps back, we slide back and forth too. It's a sliding, yeah. <laughs> sliding journey. We're not yeah. always stepping ahead, we're sliding. Line. It's definitely not a straight yeah. line. But. I have a, probably a more personal question. You said it's like a family business owned and operated. I mean, is it like you have a lot of extended family? I mean, how much? Of hundred employees. Yeah. Like, I mean, is it? Uh, all- my dad is still involved. Um, he is 88 years old and he still plays tennis and he <laughs> works and, um, you know, talking about technology, he just bought an iPad because he's a, a, a news, news hound, you know, and he wanted his Wall Street Journal um, and his Entrepreneur Magazine and, you know, everything that he, he listens to. And then he plays online chess. He's an avid chess player. And, mm. and so he bought it for those very specific purposes. I've been trying to get him to do Netflix, but he has no interest. I just think he finds them historical shows and things. So my father, um, and then my brother Galen Lehman is the CEO, and then I am a vice president, and there are um, several aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, in a small town like this, a lot of people are are related. Um, And then I have a younger sister, Wendy, who lives in Chicago. Dad calls her his city daughter. And then my brother, Kevin, lives in Vermont, and he actually works for a solar company and is very interested in the homesteading lifestyle. So sometimes we'll send him a product to test because we're really big on testing stuff, like does this really work for a homesteader? And so we can tell people it's an in our research and development facility in Vermont, which means my brother Kevin is using it to weed his garden, right? <laughs> <laughs> approved, approved by Kevin. Kevin approved. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yep, that's right. Who makes, who makes your product, Ling's products? Is it local? We have lots and lots of vendors. Yes, within, I just looked at the stat, within 50 miles of the store, there's over 300 vendors, many of whom are Amish which presents another challenge because you have to either write them a letter 
or drive to them. Um, talk about not immediate, right? And so if our customers place an order and expect it to ship that day, and, you know, in some cases, well, he hasn't even chopped down the tree that he's going to use to make the chair that you just ordered. Um, and then we have, we have some... selling point, I must say, though. That is awesome. I think that's a selling point in my, my book. But. Can we ship it out today? No, he's got to go cut down the tree. Give us a minute. And he's got to dry it, too. Right. And so, so like you mentioned, too, a lot of it is... Um, Communication. I mean, that falls on us to, to educate people. We also specialize in USA Made. I wish we had everything USA Made. We do not because some things simply aren't made in the United States anymore. There's nobody making yes. them. We do see some of that coming back. I mean, there was a period of time where, you know, coffee mugs, glassware, toys, you could not find one made in the United States. Um, so we certainly have a very large selection of USA Made. Um, you know, it, it's a price point issue, though. You know, T-shirts, people are used to paying five, six, seven bucks for a T-shirt. If you get a USA-made T-shirt, it could be $25, $30, and that's a choice people have to make. I, I get that's not affordable if you want to buy six T-shirts for your family and they're $25 a piece, um, but we're, we're trying to, you know, balance between what our customers want and what we need to survive as a business. That's a, that's a tough decision sometimes. We have to... Pricing and, and economy wise and economics, um, right? What the consumer expects and willing well. to pay because mm -hmm. it's we have issues too with pricing. It's mm -hmm. like we, you know, how much are they willing to pay and be able to stay in business and people buy? It. Yeah, but like you said, like for instance, you know, the cast iron. Well, you not That's only will you have it, you'll pass it down for. Hundred. I mean that 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 will be mm -hmm. still alive once you're gone, and then I mean still in use once you're gone, and then you do. My brother. And when he did shave, he would use um, the straight razor. When know, he did shave. Yeah, yeah, when he did shave. <laughs> we, uh, and, and do that. So, it's, and that, like I said, that will be around and, and forever. Because we, Dad, Dad brought that, back one, a straight razor from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah but that, that was, was a fat, that old. was a fat too, because they yeah. felt disposables. Everything yeah. was disposable. Uh -huh. So they came back with the straight razor. That's it wasn't, not, yeah. a quote, a fat. It was hundred years old, but they yeah. came back with it. And people tried want to, that, right? People want that one blade and mm -hmm. it's, passed down from generations sometimes when justin was learning there was quite a lot of bloody toilet yeah, paper well, bits <laughs> in the kit in the bathroom i have to admit they sell those mock three blades and all mm -hmm. that stuff. people like well the simple things one blade mm -hmm. and you do it yourself so. yeah so then you're not only something that's that's that you can keep and you can pass on you're not you're not you're not contaminating there and, and polluting the environment because it's plastics, all everything's disposable disposables and then mm -hmm. planned off from a planned off uh -huh. and then the stuff doesn't even last so here's the thing you're the money in a sense is is money up front but in the course of you know a lifetime it's probably pennies so convincing people yeah convincing people yeah we do too we have to you know budget things so but if you look at it it's like okay i'm using now but that's going to be around for x amount of years and you break down you know some cheap stuff um that you throw away in a couple months it's yeah not a really much choice there well we also um very grateful that you choosing to sponsor these podcasts and we appreciate that because we always want to Support and accept people that we are, are true to our values. You know, you can you can go solicit a lot of people, but it's like we have this list of people we believe in, and and what you are pretty much at the top of the list. Like these are the people we like, mm -hmm. and um, so yeah, we we're very grateful for that because we we 
have your products we continue to refer people before people mm-hmm. like yeah get their catalog they're mm-hmm. one of the best out there mm-hmm. and um yeah it's, it's and we passed the catalog around too remember we, mm-hmm. we would get some we'd, we'd hand it out to people like oh mm-hmm. where do you get that oh here's a catalog <laughs> so. yeah. just, i mean we are sitting we are talking on the internet and mm-hmm. podcast and laptops and mm-hmm. things so we have to we're using it as an educational experience trying to educate people where we came from where you guys came from and hopefully that people can understand that there is a world outside technology and you can survive mm-hmm. and live a quality life. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, it might be hard, but yeah. it's definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so do you have any, um, I, yeah, I know. Do you have any, like, um, and you said, uh, research and development, you know, ch- testing products, uh, they're like new old products that are, you're, you're looking at to, Add to your catalog or relaunch. Oh, yeah, always. Often those come from from customers. And if any of your listeners or if you have any idea, um, sometimes they're very expensive to make. For example, a USA-made tea kettle, we could make them, but at the volume we were buying, we'd have to sell them for hundreds of dollars each. And so it doesn't always work, but that's actually one of our favorite things to do is find perhaps a manufacturer who it's just not working for them anymore, and we can take over the company. We've done that with a corn planter, with a butter churn, with an apple peel. Um, basically, you know, a company that's just kind of fading, maybe mom and dad want to retire, and we don't want the product to disappear, so we buy the company, which sounds all fancy, but often it's just boxes of parts that they have left over. Mm-hmm. But that's good for, I mean, obviously, you're one. You're supporting a lot of local businesses and families and have your own economy there, mm-hmm. for, um, self-sustaining mm-hmm. economy, so. That's always great. Yeah, well, that's, you know, just like a, a good foundation for a company. Well, as for product, yeah, if I find anything, I'll definitely pass it along because I'm always thinking, hey, they should find this old thing and rewrite, you know, remake this. And <laughs> it's pretty because it we find in like antique stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some things I've found that I thought was, should be redone. Mm-hmm. So we also like things like uh, what would be your most popular item? I know you said beekeeping tip now, but like the biggest seller biggest seller people sure now if you if you think of really our core product and we have you know toys and other fun things but our core products are what you need to live without electricity for heat food light and water so if you think of heat, it's the wood heating stoves, and if you think of light, it's the oil lamps and water, water filters, water pumps, and then food, all the ways we have to preserve it. Um, the gas refrigerator is a very popular product. It's something that the Amish use, and if you don't have refrigeration, there's a lot of limits to you know meat, dairy, some kind of medicine, and so um, the, the gas refrigerators are probably one of the most popular. Now, that's at a higher price point. Um, the lower price point, oh, we have, you know, it depends on the season. We have a little wooden slingshot that kids just love. We have a leather fly swatter that's less expensive. We have some all-natural cleaning supplies. That You asked about trends. That's a big one. Um, and having one product that can clean multiple things. You know, I'm sure my great-grandma didn't have something to clean the desk and something to clean the drawers and something to clean the kitchen and something to clean the bathroom and something to clean the windows. She probably used, what, vinegar? To clean everything. Yes, pretty much vinegar is everything. <laughs> right. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that, too, all-natural cleaning products. Um, you know, certainly um, it really follows the season. So first quarter, January, February, March, you have planting the garden, and then you have harvesting from the garden, and then you have preserving from the garden, and then you have getting through the winter, just like our ancestors did 200 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, educating people on that, too. Is, is is what we're trying to do. Um, 
also where i mean your web website and if you're on youtube or yes uh cody uh, apparently on youtube there is a uh rap video of um <laughs> Yes, Dad? my father. We auto-tuned him. So now I get to call him Snoop Daddy. How's that? All right, yeah. <laughs> Is he going on tour? <laughs> How's he yeah, feel about He's such a good sport. You know, when I showed it to him, he's a very inquisitive person. And when I showed it to him, he listened to it. And the first thing he said was, how did you do that? <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, you made me look silly or, and it, it, it kind of went viral in our, our world. I think it had 30, 40,000 views. Um, but then contrasting that, we have a 1912 oil pull Rumley tractor on our property. And it's very difficult to start. Um, there's this big metal flywheel that weighs a ton that you've got to push with your foot. And then when it starts, it's just a boom, boom, boom. So we were down at the store, and he started it one time, and we shot it on our phones with no thought whatsoever, posted it, and it had tens of thousands of views because it's unusual. So you can see, you know, this one that was carefully produced and, and handcrafted, or not handcrafted, but we put a lot of time and energy into it. And then this other one that was just for the moment, and they both got lots of views. So we're, we're always trying to figure out how to connect with our customers, um, and a lot of it is relevance. If people care about healthy eating, then we need to talk to them about that. If they care about ending the chaos and living a simpler life, then that's how we need to communicate. Um, for, you know, in, in the beginning, although in fairness to Dad, all businesses were like that. You had product, and if people needed it, they came to you. Now, in today's marketing, which leads to the use of the Internet, you need to be relevant to people. So it's not just what. The what is the product. If you want the what, your best bet is probably Amazon. Mm-hmm. We also teach the how, how to do it, and most importantly, why. When I can go to the store and buy butter, why would I want to churn butter? And that's the same with you guys, right? When I can go to the grocery store and buy blueberries in, in, in January, whenever they're out of season in your area, why should people shop with you? And that's where it falls on us as, as business owners to communicate um, not only the what. You know, the what is the skew and the price and all of that, the weight, and, um, but the how and the why are very important. And that's, I think, how Layman's is going to survive in the, the world of the big box stores and Amazon. Yeah. And also, I think also the personal connection you have, again, uh, Amazon doesn't have that. And this might be like a little bit hard, you know, to answer, but do you have any like customers or special stories that have, you know, um, particular like touched you in a particular way like maybe oh uh, yes there's there's lots of them honestly um our redding apple peeler which is one of those products we kind of rescued i mean the design hasn't changed since the late 1800s and you just it's when you clamp on the table and you stick the apple on and then you peel it i talked to a man who had lost an arm in a farming accident and he used to always peel apples by hand you know you hold the apple in one hand and the knife Mm -hmm. in the other because that was his specialty is making apple pies and he couldn't do that anymore and then he found our redding apple peeler where it peels it with one hand and he could go back to making his pies so there's there's lots of of delightful stories like that um the the retail store one of my favorite things is the multi-generational families you know there's not many places you can go where three-year-old a 14-year-old a 30-year-old and a 70-year-old will all have a good time and we see many many multi-generational families and the the store is really 
um, like a museum. It's filled with with quality antiques up high, and then the at your, the shopping level. So you really need to to go through twice. And often we'll see grandma, grandpa down on one knee talking to the little boy. You know, when I was a little boy, my job was to mow the yard, and I would take this and um, something else that has really connected with me that I think you guys would appreciate more recently is we have planted an actual garden. Certainly, it's not as big as yours, but in a garden on our property. And how many people have never interacted with fresh food? To pick a tomato off the vine and to slice it and eat it, still warm from the sun, they mm-hmm. have never connected with fresh food. And if that's something that we can provide to them, um, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, I'll tell one more quick story. Um, I talked to a woman who was actually a dentist in Memphis, and she had teenagers, and she was just sick of the city life. So she moved completely off-grid. And she told me her goal was to grow a pizza. And she went through that process. So she planted the wheat to grind for the dough. She raised goats to milk for the cheese. She butchered hogs for the sausage. I mean, she literally grew a pizza. And so her kind of running line was in Memphis, it took 30 minutes or less. And out here, it takes three years or less. (laughs) <laughs> and she, she doesn't deliver, right? No, uh, right, right. Well, if you can wait three years. What's her number? We can get, order pizza. No, order uh, pizza. Got a milky goat. Got a milky I know, that's, that's, what, that's what sort of it still blows my mind, is especially because I, I knit and certain things that, and I think, you know, through the process is like, okay, well, I'm just on this tail end of, I bought the yarn, I'm knitting a, a sock. Oh, yeah, it's going to take me, you know, a week if I'm knitting like crazy or, you know, or more or... <laughs> years to finish some of the products but i mean that little unfinished uh i call them ufos unfinished objects are in my knitting basket but uh but then you, you look you realize to say wow somebody actually at one point they kept had the animal they alive. kept the animal <laughs> they kept the animal alive then they sheared it then they then Carded they parted it, it, it cleaned it spun it dyed it mm-hmm. then then no then you have to do the then you have to no sorry spin it dye it then spin it and then um then knit it so it's like wow and then you can go to Target for a $10 sweater or something like that. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, nowadays, if you get a hole in your sock, you throw it away. We actually sell a sock darning egg. So, you know, talk about the educational piece to even explain to somebody why you would fix a sock. Well, you raise the sheep, shared the sheep, knit the wool, um, spun the wool, and knit the sock. So you had hours invested into it. And that's kind of the sustainability piece, too, is you don't buy something cheap and throw it away when it breaks. You put the time and effort into it, and then you fix it so that you can continue to use it and and wool wool is a good example socks yeah Yeah. and that was yeah because people don't know how much time and energy it does take to from start to finish um especially in this modern amazon digital instant age it does take time and energy and labor of love sometimes because it's sometimes cheaper to buy you know yeah that's right oh like yeah even canning or making jam you know, it it is hot and it's a lot of work. Yeah, but you do it because you love it, mm-hmm. and you can go get something. You know, a jam off the shelf. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it's it's a whole different. We thing. have issues. We have people with the gym. What's in your gym? Yeah, sugar, mm-hmm. fruit, fruit. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> lemon, and, and lemon, lemon juice. Yeah, it's like, why does it taste so good? It's sugar, sugar, fruit. fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you can't make any more exciting than no that. Coloring. No no, but it's a, it is a special, uh, and we get we you know because we get, and we sometimes are a little bit you know removed from that first experience because we do have a garden, we do have tomatoes, and so when you like said experience other people experience our it kids, for the first time, or children. kids experience it for the first time, it does you know 
does you know tell kind bring of you back to that why you're doing wow, this in the yeah. first place yeah. um you know it's for those experiences because it's, like i said we grew up this way we think but then to have somebody else experience it for the first time it's real special yeah we had the school kids from we're surrounded on two sides by school and we've had the, you know their kindergarten as a kindergarten they would come over for a tour and they would remember four or five years later what exactly we my, our dad taught them on the tour and you're like, mm -hmm. wow, they were paying attention and they w were listening and they do remember what it tasted like. And it's still, it's still to this day, like, wow, you know, how, how surprising that is. I have a, I have a funny story. I'm, I'm the youngest of my dad's children and he kept us, um, you know, like grounded, like doing things with our hands. And there was like two or three years. I started working as a waitress at this tea shop and they expected me to know how to work a microwave. And I remember staring at this microwave and I'm like, I'm really good with computers, but I was like, I never used a microwave. And they were just like, really? And how old are you? And, and the other thing would be, I think until relatively recently, I did not know how to operate a coffee machine because we made coffee on the stove. We made coffee with the good old, you know, camping percolators. And yeah. so I actually was like, Oh, I actually make it a machine. Cool. Okay. How do I do this? And it was just, you know, being grown up in Los Angeles, I didn't, you know, use, I didn't have a mixer. I used, and so I was trying to describe to someone how to make cookies. And I'm like, you feel it in your hands. And they're like, well, how long do you pause it in this Cuisinart? I said, I can't tell you, you feel it in your hands. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's interesting to be raised in a world that never really like fit in. Because I, I wasn't, I was always doing things with my hands. And it, mm -hmm. I think it's funny. Yeah. That yeah, I know. It's, 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 a, it's a special thing. And, and we're, you know, blessed that we were able to have this, you know, opportunity as, as kids growing up. And so that's why we feel it's, um, you know, to share with others what we've been given and, and share our journey. And that's why we started you know, blogging or well, we started before. yeah before that we started before there was blogs, Posting but we started yeah sharing on the internet um, back in two thousand and one. You know, our homesteading journey and and uh, just to share the like the message that you also have and as, as your company what, with others and and we get you know um, comments too like you know your family changed my life on you know I've um, you know didn't know this was possible um, you know I'm reconnecting with my food. And things like that. So it's a it's a very special um, experience to to. It is. It's 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 very very gratifying. I mean, yeah. I, I I know it's my my dad's company and it's my job, but I do feel that um, there's kind of a higher calling for for what we're doing because we're we're helping people achieve their goals and hopefully bringing people into closer relationships. Just going back to the example of my daughter and her friends making the pie, they weren't on their phones. They were traipsing through the woods, picking berries, and um, I have a feeling that's something they're going to talk about for a long time. Maybe they'll take their children berry picking someday. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, speaking, you've been around the business, been around since 1955. The, your competition has, you've outlived throughout mm -hmm. Survive, so, uh, business yeah, you're, you're outlived or survived. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're like, still there. Sears, Sears, yeah, Sears. Yeah. It used to be probably was yeah, probably yeah. one of your biggest thing. Woolworth, so, yeah, um, yeah. some of these other ones. I don't know how long Amazon will be around, but <laughs> hopefully, the guys can stick around a bit longer than them. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the things, times are changing, and 
people are changing. People yeah. change, so. And I think and, and I think people are was a craving, like you said, a craving for retro, craving for old, old fashioned because as you know, people more people get away from it. Um, um, they do want that uh, you know, I type this letter and, and, and then the sounds and the and the feel and the it's like all um all all your senses are involved in the the accomplishment of you know from bed breaking to knitting to to typing a letter or even handwriting a letter i mean even cursive is that even handwriting is obsolete Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but even even the biggest uh, steve jobs and some other people they won't let their kids do technology at least till a certain age where they're um, able to more able to equip yeah it doesn't mess up their development yeah you make a choice but in the um i I think we got an email note from, um, you know, when you were discussing about the sponsorship. And I think what leapt out at me was one day tour the facilities. And I was like, that would be yeah. awesome. So I hope one day we can make it out there because that would be. Um, oh, I would love to show you the store and, and Amish country. And I think you would you would just fall in love with the place. Um, there are quite a few pictures and a virtual tour of the store at layman's.com. Um, there is a link to the Kidron store, and then we have a smaller branch store in Mount Hope, just south of us, mm-hmm. and um, that if you want to shop where the Amish truly shop, that's where, where you go. <laughs> um, we have a lot of uh, visitors, tourists, um, but we're, we're okay with that because a lot of what we're doing is educating people, just, just like you guys are. Um, you know, any day in the store, you can see people who come from the concrete jungle, you know, downtown New York City or someplace that it's all new to them, shopping right next to a homesteader who's got her list from the catalog and she's checking them off one by one because she's been living this lifestyle for 30 years. So it's a really interesting uh, combination of people, again, on that, that journey to the simple life, wherever you are on that journey. It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you also, you have a YouTube channel, any other social? <laughs> Speaking of technology, how, how much are you out there on the net? Facebook, MySpace. On the, on the line. How can people find you out there? <laughs> yeah, uh, Facebook. Certainly we have a very robust uh, Facebook page. A lot of it relates to the store because we find that that works really well. Um, and then laymans.com. If you want to know more about our, our branding, The Simpler Life, you could go to laymans.com slash simpler life. We also, if you're anywhere in the area, do lots of classes and events. We do classes on home dairy and soap making and fermenting. And um, we do, education is a really big piece of what we do. Um, our, our website, you can also sign up for our emails. And then you would find out not only what's happening in the store, but uh, what is happening um, as far as new products, new product lines, um, just a ton of information online, and we also have a catalog. Our, our phone number is one eight hundred four three eight five three four six, and we would be happy to mail out catalogs at no charge. Yeah. Do you have a? And like I said, we have about a couple more minutes. Um, is there anything you'd like to share, just from you know your, your yourself, uh, your personal thing? Any last with, words? Yeah. Any last words with our listeners? I mean, we are. Our listenership is, is worldwide, um, and so, um, yeah, just like I said, take a couple of minutes, and if there's something you like we to share. Grew, we have grew up with the yeah, your so. company, so I heard. Yeah, that's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm hoping there's lots of people that have grown up with our, our company and remember their parents and grandparents buying. Um, you know, what, what we stand for, I've said this several times, but what we stand for is a simpler life. And underneath that, there are 
four key things that, that we talk about here internally and try to communicate. Um, the first one is understandable. To live a simpler life, it needs you need to be able to understand it. We've already done the examples of making cider, butter, you know, juicing. People don't understand that you just take the fruit and squeeze it, and that's the juice that you drink. So it needs to be understandable. Um, it also needs to be sustainable. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about that, too, about what it means to buy something that lasts for a long time. Um, a, a simpler life also needs to be satisfying. Why do I choose to make something from scratch for your birthday as opposed to stopping at a local store and buying you a cake so that I can give it to you and your joy in receiving that gift that I made makes me feel satisfied. So understandable, sustainable, satisfying, and the last one is comforting, and that has a lot to do with relationships. You know, cooking with your either your parents or your children, gathering for meals, playing a board game, going for a walk, the things that we talked about, you know, get off your phone, talk to each other, and so those are the four pillars that are underneath the simpler life. Um, that's, that's a good idea. That's very powerful. Um, yeah, that's... I think that's, that's pretty much essential, essential life mm-hmm. right there. Exactly. Yeah, good way. And like I said, I hope um, more people um, will take that to heart and 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 take that and 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 do that in their own homes and their own lives and and try to like I said take those try. colors and, and take and, a couple steps. Mm-hmm. You know, and, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Can't do it all at once. Or at once, least carry it with them. Yeah. Sometimes you may not be able to do something, but at least understand the importance of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, wow. We could, it was really a pleasure um, having you on the podcast today and, and chatting with you and just sharing the stories. And, and thank you for sticking with the business and keeping it going. And thank oh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased at the work that you guys are doing. And I, I see us all being partners and helping people to get where they want to be in life. Yeah, so we, yeah, we look we forward to sharing that. We appreciate that, yeah. the sponsorship and mm-hmm. look forward to so more day, interactions with you. <laughs> one day visiting, coming out okay, and visiting. Yeah. So. For a road, come out of here. road trip. Road trip. Come out to a Pasadena test facility. <laughs> we, we that might be what test, it is. <laughs> we volunteer to test a lot of Pasadena <laughs> test facility. <laughs> yeah, we need coast, a West Coast. We need a West Coast branch. All right. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life back into the land. Oh, 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 help the garden grow, singing. Oh, 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 we've got to help the garden grow. The Urban Homestead theme song was written and recorded by Tom Fair. Thanks, Tom. We've come to the end of this show. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in again. Until next time, this is Annie, Justin, Jordan. Keep on growing. Oh, help the garden grow. Singing. Oh, we've got to help the garden grow. Oh, help the garden grow. Singing. Oh, we've got to help the garden grow. Hey, folks. 
folks. Remember to follow us on our website, urbanhomestead.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We love to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to become a podcast patron, go to urbanhomestead.org forward slash podcast.